Keep the Faith by Ana Tejano Chapter 4 Here's what I thought about Nicolas Tamayo after a week of sitting beside him at work. The ones that I didn't discover by cyberstalking him, that is. 1. Nico didn't arrive a bit later at the HQ on non-color coding days. He would come in last, with just a few minutes to spare. Based on experience, Nico's arrival time meant that he probably left for work just as the morning rush hour hit. Just the thought of the heavy traffic he endured every day exhausted me already. Seeing him last weekend made me wonder where exactly in the South he lived. Did he live near my parents' house or did he just happen to hear mass there that day? 2. Nico wasn't the friendliest looking guy in the HQ. He looked far too rugged to be in the education program. In contrast to Billy, who looked like a jolly teacher and had a booming cheerful voice, bright smile, and an overall clean look. Someone the students easily identified with, and the teachers and school administrators liked talking to. He was now a principal at a public school. Nico was almost his opposite. His clothes were proper enough to make him look kind of professional, save for the gray hoodie and the beat-up sneakers he usually wore. But everything else was a little too rough around the edges and made him intimidating. His hair was unruly, his face rarely clean-shaven, and tattoos decorated his arms. Sure, the one on his forearm was a cross, but it was still a tattoo, and that usually didn't score points with the people he had to work with. And by people you work with, you mean you? April scoffed that Friday evening, a week after I got back. She was filling me in with all that I had missed in the HQ, so the topic naturally went to Nico, and I had shared what I observed. When did you become so judgmental, Faith? That's not what I meant. I slid a card into one of the envelopes after I checked the name and handed it to her. We were preparing the holiday cards to our donors, which will be mailed out on Monday. He's just... different. Well, we could use someone different here, she replied. April ran the glue stick on the flap and sealed the envelope, smoothing the edges down before adding it to the finished pile. I love Billy as much as you did, but Nico's doing a really good job so far. The schools love him. I bet you'd like him too if only you didn't get off on the wrong foot. Hey, that wasn't just my fault. April chuckled. I said I was sorry about the photos. And besides, he caught you stalking him first. Ugh, don't remind me. I passed the last envelope to her before checking the name off my list. But really, you should give him a chance, she repeated, eyes focused on the envelope in front of her. You never know what could happen. She sounded nonchalant, but she had a playful grin when she looked up at me. I frowned, remembering Maya's advice to me when we met up earlier this week. You should date, Maya had chirped, her eyes sparkling in excitement. We were sitting in a milk tea shop, waiting for Rain, who was stuck in traffic. I watched as Maya shook her nearly full plastic cup enthusiastically, the pearls swirling dangerously up the straw. That will get you out of your funk. I am not in a funk. And I don't need to date. I don't want to date. Or at least have a crush. A distraction will help. Maya, for the last time, I don't need to be distracted from anything, I said, trying to be as patient as I can. When she gets these ideas on how to help people, it's hard to stop her. Sometimes I thought she was channeling her lack of romantic prospects on us. Maya's words echoed in my head. 
Mixing with April's, giving me a headache. Did April mean I should date Nico? Why? Of course she couldn't possibly mean that. I shook my head slightly to clear my thoughts as I put the envelopes in the box. We headed out of the meeting room to an empty office. No one stayed past seven, especially on a Friday night, unless there was fieldwork the next day. There wasn't much going on at the moment because it was almost Christmas, so the others were probably out drinking somewhere to celebrate the weekend. Normally, I would have been out by five on a Friday too, because Fridays were date nights. James and I would hunt down and try out new restaurants that we read about online. I had forgotten about it tonight, props to me, until I saw a little note I had written on my desk calendar about that evening. Boo, younger self. Now that I remembered it, I had tried to get a hold of my friends so I wouldn't spend the evening alone, but Rain and Maya already had plans. It was a good thing that April usually stayed later in the office on Fridays because of color coding. I chucked the desk calendar straight to my trash bin. Good riddance. We went back to our workstations, and April said goodbye a few minutes later. The tiny tinkling sounds of the chime sounded extraordinarily loud in the empty office as she left. As soon as she disappeared from my view, I switched to my browser, and in less than a minute, I was staring at James' smiling face on his social media profile page. He had just changed his profile picture. His hair was shorter, shaved closer to his head. The last time he had this hairstyle was around three years ago. The photo looked like it was taken at a restaurant, and that he was with some people, but I could only see the shoulder of whoever was sitting beside him. I recognized the red and blue plaid polo shirt he was wearing, my birthday gift to him last year. Seeing that gave me a huge wave of relief. He hadn't thrown it away. I know cyber-stalking my ex wasn't healthy. It wasn't like I hadn't checked on his profile when we were together, but now that we're not, I couldn't help but look at it every time I logged on. This was all I could do while I mustered up the courage to reach out to him so we could talk about what happened for my peace of mind. James's eyes crinkled whenever he smiled genuinely, like he was doing in this photo. A slight ache tugged at my heart as I stared at it, but I shrugged it away as I scrolled down his timeline. There wasn't anything else new on his profile that I hadn't seen the last time I checked, yesterday. With a tiny sigh, I clicked on some albums that he posted after the breakup to see if there were comments that I hadn't seen yet. Faith, what are you still doing here? Holy crap! I shot out of my seat, and for the second time since last week, my heart leapt at the sight of Nico. Hey, hey, sorry. He put down on the floor the big plastic box he was carrying and held up his hands as if I was a wild animal about to bite him. Sorry, I didn't mean to surprise you. I thought you heard me. You think? I exclaimed, taking a step away from him. My voice was shrill from the adrenaline running through my veins. I've been in the supply room all this time. April even said goodbye to me. I thought you left with her. Why are you still here? I struggled to keep my voice calm, but my nerves were still strained. I jumped a little to shake it off, but my shaky knees made me stumble. Nico reached for my arms to keep me from losing my balance. Hey, be careful. His grip was firm but gentle and helped to steady me, but my heart refused to calm down. I pulled away, stepped back, and leaned on the table, finding it more soothing to hold onto rather than Nico's warm hands. I was fixing some things for tomorrow's party at one of our schools, he said, 
his hands falling to his sides. I would have finished earlier if April was helping me, but you asked for her help first, so there. So it's my fault now? I shook my head, realizing that I had turned snarky again. Sorry, I didn't mean to snap at you. You just really startled me. Gosh, my heart is still racing. Sit down. He pushed my chair towards me. I saw his eyes flicker to my computer. The screen still showed a picture of James flashing two thumbs up. It was taken during his brother's birthday. I cleared my throat as I sat down, and Nico's focus shifted back to me. He had a question in his eyes, and I spoke up before he said anything. You should play some music next time you're here late at night. Also so I would know not to stalk my ex online too. Sorry, I really am. But why are you still here anyway? You don't usually stay this late. He glanced at my screen again, so I scooted closer to my desk and turned off my monitor with a snap. Avoiding heavy traffic? Yep, I readily agreed. A lie, but I didn't want to admit why I was still here. His expression remained curious and a bit disbelieving, but I forced myself to hold his gaze. It was difficult, with those eyes looking like endless pools of dark chocolate, glinting slightly under the fluorescent lights. Well, I have to go, he said, after a beat. I blinked. He let out a little grunt as he picked up the plastic box again, shifting so it leaned comfortably on his hips. A vein on his arm bulged, intersecting with the tattooed cross. I stared at it longer than I should have. Do you need help? I asked, hastily looking away from his arm. No, it's okay. He shook his head, wincing slightly. I can manage. Are you still staying? I just have to finish something. Then I'll go. Nico nodded slowly. Okay then. I'm so sorry for startling you. Again. He flashed a small smile. It's okay, I waved, tearing my eyes away from his. He looked different whenever he did that. Like the mere action of his lips curving up somehow smoothed out his roughness. I kept my eyes on the table. Just quit doing that, okay? You take care. I glanced back at him. He was still smiling when he nodded. I thought of helping him with the door, but he had already pushed it open with his shoulder and got out just fine, graceful even. He looked back at me and I gave him a tiny wave before he disappeared. Once I was sure I was completely alone, I opened my computer again and James's face was still there. Looking at it made me feel sad and, combined with the adrenaline wearing off, exhausted. I looked at the photo one more time, sighed, turned my computer off, and packed up to leave the HQ. The weather was starting to cool down because of the holidays, the northeast monsoon trying to win over the city's humid air that mingled with the rushed energy that the season always brought. I took off my jacket and folded it over my arm, pulling my bag closer to myself as I started to walk home. My apartment was just four blocks away from the HQ, but I wasn't in any hurry to be home, knowing that I would be facing an empty apartment. My steps were slow and measured as I took my time to look at the holiday displays along the road, until I found myself at the entrance of Apollo Capital, the relatively new real estate development built on an old parking lot. James and I used to go there a lot, and it became our default date place when we couldn't think of anywhere else to go, or if it was too traffic, or it was raining but we still wanted to go out. I'd been doing a good job of avoiding the place ever since I got back, by simply not looking at it when I walked home. But that Friday night, I stopped. 
The beats of party music pounded faintly from one of the bars, as if inviting everyone who heard to go inside the capital. Yes, it's Friday. Come party here. I wasn't a party person, but I felt as if it was calling my name too. My feet led me inside Apollo. I barely looked at the restaurant signs because I knew them by heart already. I stopped at Pia's Kitchen, several buildings down, one of our favorite places, and thought of going in. It wasn't likely that James would be here tonight, but what if he was? I started to head toward the restaurant, then stopped. If James was there, what would I do? Will he even talk to me when he never answered my calls or messages? And if he does talk to me, what will I say? But what if he wasn't there? The staff at Pia's knew us. They wouldn't know that we're not together anymore, unless James had visited while I was away and they asked where I was. So it was possible they knew, and going there now would mean pitying looks and questions that I didn't want to get. I sighed heavily. Why was I even thinking about this? I wasn't ready for this yet. I decided to take the longer route home, because I still didn't want to be home alone. So I kept on walking to the other end of the compound. It was a bit quieter, with only the sounds of the joggers' breaths filling the air as they ran around the path made just for them. I stopped to let one of them pass, just as a cab slowed to a stop beside me with its headlights flashing. I waved it away. The longer walk home just added ten more minutes to my travel time, so there was no need to get a ride. Another car honked as I continued to walk. I dismissed it with a wave, not even bothering to look, but the driver honked again. When I looked up, I saw that it wasn't a taxi, but a dark blue car, hazard lights flashing as it inched beside me, matching my steps. The passenger side window rolled down, revealing Nico in the driver's seat. I stopped in my tracks. Hi, Faith. I didn't surprise you, right? You don't look surprised. That made me relax. No, you didn't. I thought you were on your way home already. I needed to get something first. Can you help me? Have you heard of Sweet Reds? The bakery? He nodded. Do you know where it is? Yeah, it's nearby. I've been driving around the last 10 minutes and I can't find it. The directions I got from one blog is wrong and my mobile data isn't working so I can't check the map. Do you know the directions from here? I hesitated. I was very bad at giving directions to people unless I was the one driving or I was in the car with them. I tried anyway. Uh, you have to go straight and turn at one corner and then turn at the other. Nico's blank face told me I wasn't doing a good job. Look, I'm very bad at giving directions, I admitted. I can see that. I mean, I know how to get there, but I can't give you the street names and how many blocks and all that. His face fell, and I felt bad for not being able to help, so I pulled my phone out. I'll look it up. Maybe I can find another source. Will you ride with me instead so you can show me the way? It was my turn to give him a blank look. But I'm already on my way home, I blurted out. The incident earlier flashed in my mind and warmth crept up my cheeks. Please, Faith, I just really need to get there, he explained. You're the only one who can help me right now. I promise it won't take long and I'll drop you off at home afterwards. Sweet Reds wasn't too far from my apartment, actually, and I could walk home from there, so it wasn't a big inconvenience. It's just... Please... I saw those eyes again, and my need to help won over. Okay, sure. Awesome. Nico's smile was bigger this time, 
and I tried very hard not to think of how cute he was with that dimple. He leaned over to open the passenger side door. Hop in. This episode was sponsored by Kiss and Cry by Mina V. Esquera. A figure skater and a hockey player meet again after 10 years in a relationship that never happened. But they'll get their second chance right now, thank you. Available on Amazon, Apple Books, Kobo, Google Books, and other retailers worldwide. Hi, my name is Jade, and I was your narrator for this series of episodes. Hi, I'm Anna, and I'm the author of Keep the Faith. Anna, what's a favorite memory as an author that you associate with this book? So my favorite memory associated with this book is actually after it was published. When, um, when I wrote the book, for, uh, when I first wrote the book, I didn't know, I haven't been to Iloilo at all. And then a year later, I finally got to visit and finally got to see the places that I only researched about. I finally got to see the church where a scene happened. So that, I think that was what made everything a little bit more real for me. And Jade, how long have you been, have you been performing and what's your dream role? I've been performing since I was a kid, but I really started doing musical theater, I guess, more seriously in high school and until college. And even now, depending if I have free time for my corporate job, <laughs> uh, my dream role, honestly, it's probably an original character. Like the idea to bring life to an original character just seems so special to me. Keep the Faith by Ana Tejano. Text copyright, Ana Tejano. Narrated by Jade Albert. Produced by Tanya Arpa and Mina V. Esquera. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Links to subscribe and buy the books are on romancepodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs>